0: So a little while ago, we were getting ready to have dinner, and as is our usual habit, we went to pray. And uh, I was going to pray this time, I don't always, but it was, uh, I was going to pray. And it must have been uh, one of those days where I was just tired and distracted, because usually, you know, when you start out a prayer, it's Dear Lord, or Heavenly Father, or uh, something along those lines. And when we finally settled down and started to pray, I just said, Hello. (laughs) And that cracked everybody up. And I didn't even do, intend that. It was just like, okay, we're talking to God now. Oh, hi, God, you're here. And, uh, and that's how I started my prayer. And so every once in a while, my family reminds me of that. Uh, and uh, we get a kick out of it even now. Uh, I thought of that when I was preparing for this week's message, because we're talking about reading and understanding the Bible in this paradigm series. And when we think about the Bible, I mean, that's sometimes the way we think about the Bible and also perhaps the way we would like the Bible to be, just this conversation with God where where He comes into our lives, knowing us as He knows us, knowing all the circumstances as our li- of our lives as He does, and that we, we just need to hear from Him. We need Him to say, hello, I'm here for you. I want to speak to you. I know what's going on and I want to make known what you need to know. And uh, and I believe that God does want to speak to you in a very clear and very distinct way. And that's one of the reasons why we want to go through this series where we are talking about how to read and understand the Bible. A paradigm is a framework for understanding something. And we want to provide, explore the paradigm, the framework that the Bible gives for itself and so that we can read it and understand it. Today, we are uh, talking about both and. We're talking about the two we're talking about two aspects of the scripture's nature, what it is like. And the question that we're going to answer is this one. How can I trust that the Bible is divinely inspired when it was produced by people? How can I trust that the Bible is divinely inspired when it was produced by Now, for some of you, you may not have this question because you grew up in a a culture or tradition where you just accepted that the Bible was God's word, and it was never a question for you. But even if that's the case, and for for many that even have that experience, there comes a time where you start to question, you begin to reevaluate. Every person that grows up in the church has to go through a process where they take the faith and examine it and internalize it so it's not just their church's faith, not just their parents' faith, not just their Sunday school teacher's faith, but it becomes their own. But but even if you've never gone through that process, I can guarantee you that there are people that you know and love who do have this question because we present the Bible and we say, okay, here's God's word. And then people begin to read it and they they the, the natural assumption sometimes is, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to open it up and he's going to say, hello, and here's what you need to know. And it's just like God is speaking. But then you pick up the Bible and it's really more of a narrative. It's a history of the relationship between God, the creator, and his creation. And then you begin to notice that it was written by multiple different people in different cultures and at different times times and uh, a different socioeconomic uh, strata. And you recognize that there's a lot of the people who were writing the Bible in the Bible. And then maybe you went to college and took a course and some professor told you, oh, well, you know, there's all kinds of contradictions in the Bible and here, did you notice this? And did you notice this? And uh, what about this? And it's and did you know that this, this isn't how it was originally, that it's actually a compilation of all these different things, and there wasn't even a Bible until hundred, several hundred years into the church, and you start to hear all these things and be told these things, and the human side of it becomes predominant, and it starts to cause you to question if that's what really happened, and if all these things came together and, and, and produced the scriptures as we have them, then how can I be sure? How can, how can we even say that this is a divinely inspired book? How can that happen? And I use that word produce because it wasn't just written, it was written and then compiled and edited and compiled. And so sometimes that human side of it can really undermine the the divinely inspired part of it. And some people, in response to that, then really dig into the define, divinely inspired side of it. And then when you point out the human aspects of it and how uh, he, how p- involved the people were in the process, then it begins to, to make you feel insecure, like, I don't know if I can trust this. And so you kind of lean into that and dismiss those other things. And then you get into a credibility crisis because somebody says, well, did you know this. And then you're like, oh, no, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to talk about it. It's just God's word. So, there is a solution and there is an answer to this question. How can I trust that the Bible is divinely inspired when it was produced by people? And you can have complete confidence in the divine inspiration That God was at work in writing, compiling, assembling, and preserving His Word in the Bible for us. And at the same time, appreciate, acknowledge, notice, even study that it was produced by people. And rather than it shaking your faith rather than it undermining your confidence in the Bible, you can embrace both and it will actually enhance and strengthen and help you in your understanding of and appreciation of the scriptures. So, let's talk about it today. Today, what we're really talking about is what we call inspiration, the inspiration of of the Bible. And what we're going to say is that it is not an either or question. It's actually a both and statement. The Bible is both human and divine. It can be both and is both human and divine. And therefore, the practical way that we apply this, the way that knowing this, appreciating this, and living this out makes life better and makes you better at life is that when we don't negate or ignore the human or divine origins of the scriptures, then we can appreciate the scriptures even more. So that's what our plan is for today, to talk about that. The focus passage for today is is uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And these introductory verses of the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is addressing the nature of Scripture and then how it parallels Jesus' nature and how Jesus surpasses it. So, what we're going to do is we're going to read this. Then we're going to look at that statement about the Bible, the scriptures being both human and divine, and and talk about what that means, and then come back to this passage to see how it relates to Jesus. So, let's look at these quick, uh, quick few verses at the beginning of Hebrews. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Would you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, I ask that as we look at the scriptures, that you would give us insight and appreciation of both the divine origins and the human interaction that produced the scriptures. And that as a result, everyone listening, myself included, will have even greater confidence in the scriptures and a more focused faith in the Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, who is the point of the scriptures and that the scriptures are designed to point us towards. I pray this in that name that is above every other name, the name of the one who is seated next to the majestic God on high, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so let's let's look at this together. Again, a reminder that if you're watching online or on demand, we would love to have you on site as well. You can see at cornerstonenh.org slash calendar, all of our events, both online and in person that are happening. And if you're in our area and can join us and that makes sense for you, we would love to be able to welcome you personally there. Uh, and we welcome everyone who is watching online as well. And just a reminder that you can watch or listen to our services and our messages on demand anytime that's convenient for you you as well as subscribe to our podcast so that the messages get delivered right to your device on a weekly basis. And you can find all of that at cornerstonenh.org. Everything that we do is designed to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly because we know that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life and brings glory to God in the process. And if you are new here and haven't let us know who you are, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and also stay in touch with you, let you know what's going on with Cornerstone and encourage you in your spiritual journey. You can do that by uh, texting new to our church number 603 225 2550. As mentioned, we are in a series called Paradigm, providing a framework so that you can read and understand the Bible. And today we are diving into the first kind of pillar of that uh, paradigm. And that is that the Bible is both human and divine. It is both human and divine. So let's focus first on the aspect of the divine aspect. Uh, origins of the scripture. And here's what we're going to say about that: that the scriptures are God breathed. In other words, God works. He is at work in our world, and part of what He has done is He has inspired the scriptures. We get this uh, from the scriptures' own testimony. The apostle Paul, writing to his apprentice in ministry, Timothy, writes this in Second Timothy 3:16. All Scripture, and what is he talking about? He's talking about the compl- compiled works of uh, that we call the Bible today. All Scripture is inspired by God, and that li- that word inspire, inspiration is literally God-breathed. And in fact, in the New International Version, it translates that as such. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. In other words, not only has God been at work in this, He is through that work providing something that is useful, beneficial, and applicable to our lives. He goes on to say, "...all scripture is God-breathed and is useful." useful for what? It teaches us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness. In other words, there is value in the scripture because God has been at work and he's providing something valuable to us through the scriptures. It goes on to say, so that why, why has God inspired that? So what's the purpose? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has given us the gift of his inspired God-breathed words in the scriptures so that it can be of use for us and so that we can be thoroughly equipped for the life that he has for us. Uh, the Apostle Paul says something similar when he was writing to the church at Corinth. In First Corinthians ten eleven, we see this. It says these things, and what has happened prior to this, all through the first part of the chapter of chapter ten, is the Apostle Paul is recounting different events from the history of his people that are recorded in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures. And he gives an example. He gives warnings. He shows them what happened and shows the lesson that we are supposed to glean from that. So, he says, these things, as he's talking about the history that's recorded in the scriptures, happened to them, talking about the people who are in the scriptures, the people that wrote these down, the people that experienced these things that are recorded in the scriptures, because remember, an event, gets documented and that document gets compiled. And that's how we got the scriptures. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. So, it's providing some guidelines. There are good examples to follow. There are warnings of bad examples that we're supposed to avoid. But they're written down as examples and or warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. The the Apostle Peter, one of uh, Jesus' original 12, writes something very similar in his first letter to the churches. In 1 Peter one twenty, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. He's emphasizing, reminding his people that he is shepherding of the divine origin of the scriptures. What is he saying there? He's saying these writings that we have, they they are God breathed, as Paul says. They did not come up, they were not uh, thought up in the mind of man. that That it wasn't just people's take on things. But, goes on, for prophecy has never had its origin, In the human will. There's a divine origin to this. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying it wasn't human in origin, it wasn't just thoughts that people thought up. God inspired them, He moved the people to write. And they were speaking as from God, carried along by the Holy Spirit. From the the very beginning, God often, and in fact most often, works through people. When he wants to do something, he empowers, he anoints, he indwells people by his Holy Spirit and then they do God's work. God is at work. Now, while that is the case, I want to highlight this this little phrase right here, though human, because even in this passage where the apostle Peter is emphasizing the divine origin of the scriptures, he does not in any way negate or ignore the fact that these were human beings who were doing the work. Now, you would be forgiven for reading this and having the picture that the way it worked is that, you know, the people uh, who were writing the Bible, they go into this kind of trance-like state and they Auto write, you know, they're moved by the Holy Spirit and write, uh, and then they wake up and realize, oh, you know, I guess God was in control. And then they read this and they're like, oh, wow, this is really good. I had no idea I was writing this. God's Holy Spirit must have taken over and moved me in that way. And that's not at all the way the scripture is presenting what had happened. Though human, Even though we believe that it was divine in origin, even though we believe that as people were writing the scriptures, that God was at work in the midst of that, that does not in any way negate or ignore that there were humans involved and that there was a process involved. Uh, So, we acknowledge that the Bible is both human and divine and we recognize that the scriptures are in div- of divine origin god was at work at the same time we recognize that the scriptures are human produced god works through people now if you grew up in a certain tradition while well, i've been talking about the inspiration of the scriptures you're like yeah right on god moved all scriptures god breathed that's what i've believed that's what i've embraced that's great there were others of you who, during that whole time, it just built up more and more attention because you recognize that there have been human elements involved in this and that the, the scriptures, the Bible that we have was human produced. And so, it becomes hard for you to recognize that God had... Uh, work in it and that the scriptures are divinely inspired, that they are authoritative for faith and practice because you recognize that there's a human element involved. And likewise, as I go through this next section, there'll be some of you that are all in on the inspiration of of the scriptures, but this part has the potential to make you feel uncomfortable because you feel like that if you recognize the human element in the development of the scriptures, that, that that somehow negates the divine inspiration and origin of the scriptures. And what this is rooted in is a dualistic view of the world, a paradigm that says you have natural and you have supernatural. And if you can explain something or show natural causes or processes, then that means that there's no supernatural, nothing outside of the natural that's involved in that process. And conversely, In order for something to be supernatural, that means that there can't be any reasonable explanation or interaction from natural processes and natural causes. Now, this is the way many people, even sincere believers, even people of faith, view the world. However, I'm going to suggest to you that that is not a biblical paradigm. It is not the framework for understanding the world that the Bible presents. Just like I said earlier, that very uh, most often when God wants to do something, He works through people. That it does not mean that just because people were involved, that there was a natural process that you can document, that you can see, that you can explain, does not mean that there wasn't a supernatural aspect to that as well, that in fact, both of these work together and are combined and intertwined. That's the biblical framework for understanding the world and in particular, the way the Bible talks about itself as well. The scriptures are divinely inspired. God is at work in producing and in uh, the writing and in the collection and preservation of the scriptures. But the scriptures are also human produced because God works through people. We see this in the opening lines of the passage that I read to you from the first chapter of Hebrews. Look at what it says. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So he starts out by saying, look, God has been speaking to us. These words that we have were divinely uh, of divine origin and divinely inspired. But it was over the course of many times and in many ways through a variety of prophets. Now, uh, he's just talking, and he or she is just talking about the, in general, the writers of the scriptures. When he, when, when it says prophets there, but he's pointing, it's being pointed out that there were many times, different times, different places, different ways. There are different kinds of literature in the Bible. It's not just all God speaking in monologue, there's history, there's narrative, there's poetry, there's all kinds of things, but it doesn't negate that God spoke, but he did so in many ways and in, in many times, and he did so through people. And then he's going to make a par- he, the, the author is going to make a parallel here. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son he's making a comparison and a contrast between the scriptures and Jesus. Now, it says in these final days, just a reminder, your translation might say the last days, that, that what that means in the Bible is the time period between when Jesus comes and when in the, the first time as a baby, born in Bethlehem, grows up, lives, dies, rises again, ascends to heaven. That first advent and his second coming or second advent, that time period is the last era, the last days for the final days as it's translated here. So, we've been in the last days for almost 2,000 years now. It's not talking about the length of time. It's talking about the time period. So, that's an important thing to remember because you'll hear people say, well, I believe we're living in the last days. And well, by that, they mean they think the world is going to end tomorrow. It may end tomorrow, but we've been in the last days for almost 2,000 years. In these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. It says God has been speaking over the years, many times, many places, many ways, through many people, but now he is speaking through through his son. The Bible is both human and divine, and that should remind us of something else that is very central to our faith, and that is the nature of Jesus. And that's what the author of Hebrews is pointing out. And in the midst of this, I want to make this point, that we worship the son, not the scriptures the whole theme of the book of hebrews in fact if you could you could give it this title it's jesus is better and in the beginning he's talking about the value the, the author is talking about the value of the scriptures and the various ways that god has spoken but he said but the but the author says but now we have the sun, and this is even better. The sun is better. And it's important for us to remember that as much as we may reverence and appreciate the scriptures, we do not worship the scriptures. You may remember, if you've been watching, that this series was inspired by a podcast series from the Bible Project. And their overarching theme, the overarching paradigm for understanding the scriptures is this, that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. So, if we appreciate the scriptures but miss the point of the scriptures by not being pointed towards Jesus, then we're missing the point because the Bible is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. And just as an aside, I would love for you, each one of you, to listen to the Paradigm Podcast from the Bible Project as we go through this series. On, uh the weekends here at Cornerstone uh, and just a reminder that that the scriptures pointing to Jesus and that that's the point of the scriptures was a point that Jesus himself made and we are encouraging everyone to memorize this verse John 539 during the course of this series because it's the central verse to what we're talking about Jesus teaching about the scriptures, teaching about himself, said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to me. The point of the scriptures is to point people to Jesus. Now, in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews goes on to talk about this. He, uh, the author of Hebrews, is directing our attention from the scriptures as a jumping-off point to focus our faith and attention on Jesus. So he's talking. The, they're talking about Jesus here. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. So this is. Um, Uh, illustration of kind of parallelism that is often used in Hebrew writings, especially Hebrew poetry. So, what is the author saying here? God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. This verse is kind of another way of calling Jesus the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The author starts out with the end. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. In other words. Everything that we see, everything that was created, its purpose and its goal is Jesus. Jesus is going to be in control of everything. Everything was created for him and finds its fulfillment and purpose in him. And when the last uh, chapter is written, everything is going to go to the son as his possession because he owns it all and he's the point of all. So it talks first about the end. And then rolls the scroll back to the very beginning and says, and through the Son, He, God, created the universe. So, starts out with God through Jesus creating everything and it's going to end up with everything finding its goal, purpose, and fulfillment in Jesus because He is going to be the owner of of everything. The next verse, it talks about the nature of Jesus. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. I'm going to highlight this uh, to show you the parallels here because this is a good example of uh, parallelism that is often found in Hebrew poetry. So, the sun Talking about Jesus, radiates God's own glory, expresses the very character of God. So we're talking about God, and that's where you see those highlighted in the same color. And then these two words, radiates and expresses, are in parallel for, with one another. Then God's own glory and the very character of God are in parallel with one another. Remember, the glory of something is its manifest presence. It's when something shows up, it shows up in all its glory, its manifest presence. So, what the author of Hebrews is saying is that when the sun showed up, he radiated God's own presence and then he says the same exact thing, just using different words, expresses the very character of God. Now, what's he saying there? The son is of divine origin. He is fully God and at the same time, fully human. Now, at first, like with the scriptures, People had a hard time kind of getting their minds around this. How could this human Jesus be both fully divine and fully human? Doesn't his being human in some way take away from his being God? And how can God be fully human in the person of Jesus? And early in the church, they kind of went back and forth on this, but settled on the fact that they did not detract from one another and jesus can and was and is in fact fully human and fully divine and that's and they don't t- take away from each other they don't t- detract from one another they coexist those natures coexist in harmony in jesus and that's what we're saying is in parallel to the scriptures they can be both fully human and fully divine. It doesn't take away from one another. This is the same thing that Jesus was teaching about himself to his disciples before the cross and resurrection. In this scene from John chapter 14, one of the apostles, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus had been talking about the Father, talking about Father God, and Philip says, Well just show us the Father. If we can just see the Father, if we can see what he looks like, if we can see what he's like, if you you'll Make him manifest before us, then that'll be enough. We'll be satisfied. And then Jesus replies look at how he replies, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So they were walking around with this fully human Jesus, and Jesus is saying, I am the exact representation of the Father. You want to know what God is like? Then look at me. If you want to get to know God better, then get to know me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, flip back to Hebrews. This passage was talking about how everything is going to find its culmination in Jesus as his inheritance, he owns it all. And everything started with Jesus because through Jesus God created everything. Well, what about in the middle? Then the author of Hebrews Hebrews addresses the middle. And he, Jesus sus, or sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. God in Christ created everything. He sustains everything by his power and everything is going to find its goal and fulfillment in Jesus. He's the beginning and the end and the middle as well. And then the author of Hebrews focuses to the work of Jesus. What has Jesus done? When he, talking about Jesus, had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So, When I invite people to consider faith in Jesus, I talk about accepting Christ in his fullness and both of his primary roles for us. And I talk about how he is our savior. That when you say yes to Jesus, what you're saying is that what Jesus did on the cross, dying for my sins, I want that to count for me. I want Jesus to save me, to wipe away the guilt of my sins, to give me a clean slate and right standing before God. He is our savior. But it also means you can't just have Jesus as savior. He is also Lord. He is ruling and reigning at the right hand of God. And so when you accept Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, you're also saying yes to his lordship. You're saying he's the boss. He gets to call the shots. I am going to follow him. That is exactly what is described in this verse. First, it talks about Jesus as Savior. When he had cleansed us of our sins, then he t- it talks about Jesus as Lord. He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Remember the point of the scriptures and, uh, is to point people towards Jesus. Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Lord, and then to personalize that, to internalize that, to apply that to your life, because it's not automatic. It's a gift that has to be received. And so I will always encourage you, if you don't know where you stand with your Heavenly Father, if you don't know where you stand with God, there is a way of knowing, and that is by saying yes to Jesus. Yes to jesus as savior yes to jesus as lord and if you're doing that or would like to do that then we would love to be able to celebrate it with you because that's the best decision you will ever make and encourage you and resource you as you walk with jesus as you live your life with and for jesus so if you text yes to our church number 603-225-2550 the word yes, then that'll let us know and we will be able to celebrate with you and resource you for your life with Christ. So today, we have been talking about inspiration. We've been talking about what it means that the Bible is inspired by God. And what we're saying is that the Bible is both human and divine. It can be fully God-originated and fully human produced. And the biblical perspective is that those two things can coexist and are intertwined. They're not mutually exclusive. And to recognize one does not negate the other, but to recognize both actually enhances your understanding of each. So what is the practical step? How do you apply what we've talked about with an actionable step? This challenge is your way of making your life better and making you better at life so that what you hear on the weekend actually helps you Monday through Friday. And that is to not negate or ignore the human or divine origins of the scriptures. When you do that, When you recognize that God is at work and also that he is at work through the people who wrote, compiled, and preserved the scriptures for us, then you gain a greater appreciation for the scriptures and their divine authority. To recognize the divine authority and the human elements that are coexisting and working together in the scripture will actually bolster your faith and deepen your understanding. It does not have to erode your faith and introduce confusion and uncertainty in your life. And when you realize that God was at work and that he worked through people and ultimately he came in the person of Jesus and that our faith and worship is ultimately directed towards Jesus and in fact the point of the scriptures is to point us towards Jesus then your faith is going to be firmly anchored in the Jesus who is talked about in the scriptures who is both fully human and fully divine the human elements will not shake your faith and your appreciation of the divine elements will strengthen your faith. That's what we want to see happen. And that's what can happen as you embrace the human and divine origins of the scriptures. Would you pray with me? Heavenly father, I pray that you would help people to recognize that you would help us to see how you can be at work in and through people, the people who wrote, the people who preserved, the people who compiled, the people who dedicated themselves to preserving the record of your relationship with your people. I pray, Lord, that we would see in that a parallel to and a, and a bright light shining on Jesus, who is fully human and fully divine and thus was able to secure our salvation and now works in the person of the Holy Spirit through people like the people that I'm speaking to, like me, that you are at work in and through us. I pray that people would experience that, that it wouldn't be just something that they read about, but something that they can experience. That's what you have promised. And I pray that as we experience that, that part of that experience will be a greater and greater understanding and appreciation of the scriptures so that we recognize they're inspired and find them useful, beneficial, helpful, so that we, as your followers, might be thoroughly equipped for every good work that you have planned for us bolster and strengthen our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.